Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I inspire you to take action with stillness, let go of chaos, and step into your future self on this podcast. We have special, high-performing guests each week who share mindset tips and their spirituality, helping us all prepare to be the best we can be for our future. Let's dare to move. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast where we talk about doing, but more so being this year with our theme of stillness, which we are still in. And hopefully by now with the podcasts on being in relationship with yourself, um, one of my favorite ones on the question, who are you? Um, We've all slowed down with COVID and quarantine. And I can say we all and really mean it on a global level, which is super cool. So now hopefully I am, you know, sitting here with the intention that it's September. We've brought up the word stillness since January that we are all like, okay, there is something to this. So today we are going to go a little bit deeper into our stillness work. And we're going to talk about being like, what is thought work? Becoming the observer of your thoughts. We'll talk a little bit about listening, but that's going to go into more detail in a later episode. And really creativity versus architecture. Um, some of these are words that have been used by others. Some of this is, but really it's how I've made sense of it. So I want to say that this is like my own made up jargon of how I see things and how I teach with my clients. So um And I will try to give credit where credit's due, but I don't want you to think that like I am the textbook on any of this and I am just thankful you're here to learn from my perspective. I know um, a lot of you have found me over the years through my, you know, my powerlifting or my bikini competition life or my Barry's Bootcamp life. Um, But the shift for me really around my reality and what I want that to look like and that it's inner and it's how I feel about myself regardless of what's around me really alchemized what is, as one of my favorite teachers would say, simply being and not looking or searching for something else to make me happy. So today we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into um, thought and creativity and architecture as in a step underneath the umbrella of proving. You guys listened um, a couple days ago to the episode about proving. And if you haven't caught that, pause me here. Go back and listen to proving. It will change a lot for you. So we're about two and a half minutes in, and I'm going to tell you why you should keep listening. (laughs) And thought work, listening, and creativity, and thought architecture, why does it matter? It matters because this is how you will unlock your destiny. The one that is aligned, the one you're supposed to be living, what what your what you have the potential to co-create with the universe. This is so exciting. Okay. So to get started, we are going to talk about a domino effect I bring up a lot with my clients and I've brought up in the episode called fear analysis. So in the fear analysis, I took the word fear and I made kind of, I turned it into an acronym and the F stands for the focus. Like what are you really focused on? And E captures emotion. And we talk about this domino effect in that specific thing. So if you remember that episode, the um, that domino effect is what I'm about to tell you. So in that domino effect, when we 
when we explain it this way, our thoughts, follow me here, our thoughts are the first domino. They turn into physical sensations in our body, which we then name or label with an emotion. That emotion leads us to take action or not to take action. And based on action or inaction, we have certain results. So that is the longer way of explaining how our thoughts create our reality. So you can imagine that in thought work, we are examining our thoughts. We're becoming the observer. We're no longer in the content of he said, she said, or I'm running late, or this thing tastes bad, or I don't like the way my pants fit me today. We're taking a step back and we're like, that was an interesting thought. Why did I perceive I wasn't, I was lazy today when I did four runs? Why did I attach to that feeling of, that thought, right? So we get to sort of learn in this kind of step one of becoming the observer of our thoughts that we can actually catch the thought and choose it with intent. So for instance, let's use I am lazy. If you are sitting on the couch for an hour on a Sunday, it's triggering, you know, times when you were a kid and your mom's like, hey, stop being lazy, get off the couch. You've been on the couch for 30, 35 minutes, maybe maximum an hour. All of a sudden you think I am lazy. And then you get this sort of like, meh feeling in your gut and then you're like I feel sad or I feel a big one guilty well once we feel it and we decide we're in that mood or that emotion we take action well an action might be to go eat cookies because you're lazy and you feel guilty might as well reaffirm that guilt by making yourself more guilty right what are the results not good ones. You feel unproductive. You feel like you are gaining weight if you create a pattern there, right? So thought, physical sensation, call it an emotion, emotion, action, or inaction, results. Now, when we are the observer of our thoughts, like I said, we're getting out of the content and we get to choose our thoughts. But what if thoughts were coming to us versus us just making them up. I think that that's exactly what can be. So here's the example. Let's say you're in a wind machine and where there's money flowing around you, right? And some of it's fake money that represents the negative bad thoughts and some of it's real money. And you're going to walk out of there with a couple hundred dollar bills or as many as you can grab, right? That's you choosing the thought that's, and, and as a human, we're having thoughts all the time, just like the wind machine. There's money all around you. Some of it's real, some of it's not. Negative thoughts, positive thoughts, same idea, right? So one way to look at it is I can choose my thoughts that, that give me good physical sensations that I can label with good emotions and I can go on. So let's say you mess up at a test and you decide to say, you, you go with the thought, hey, you know what though? That was really good practice. And then you feel kind of warm and fuzzy inside. And then you're like, you know, I'm happy I took it anyway. And then the action is you study harder. And then the result is you, you pass it next time, right? Positive thinking. Now, <clears throat> one of the things my teachers has brought to my attention recently is that feelings can produce thought. Now, this one, I was like, what? I know it the other way around. I know this to be true. I know that our thoughts create our feelings. We control this. Our physical sensations are a product of our thoughts. So perfect example, um, you think a really 
a sad or treacherous thought and all of a sudden you have a pit in your stomach or you have a thought that you're um, you forgot that you, I don't know, didn't turn the stone off, stove off and then you're thinking that there might be a fire and now you're all anxious and then you're feeling sad and guilty and nervous and then you're frantic and then your energy is splattered and you can't focus at work, okay? I get it. It's very true. But the other is true when our body and I should say our energy bodies and our souls are out thinking. I don't I shouldn't use the word think. They're outdoing our mind. Because our mind is a beautiful thing, but I think it was Albert Einstein said that our our soul our mind should be the slave to the soul. But yet we make ourselves and our souls slaves to our mind. Our mind is talented, but it can get in the way sometimes. And what overrides that are our physical feelings. Our physical feelings come up. Here's the example. The example is that you're walking in the woods and you just get a feeling. You get this crazy feeling that there is a tiger behind you. Now, we have to imagine you're walking through, you know, an African jungle where tigers live, but you get the idea. You have a feeling that there is a tiger behind you. Or if you're in the woods of New Hampshire, like I am, uh, that there's a bear. And so before you even look, you don't even think thought, thought, thought. You don't even think to look because you felt it first. You felt that energy of something present. Then you thought that there might be a tiger and that thought triggers more physical sensations as if to feedback. The, it's like a feedback loop now your hormones are getting released because that feeling of anxiety, those sensations that you're experiencing of there might be a tiger, are unlocking some adrenaline and some hormones that are going to help you be able to fight or flight, right? So the reason that <laughs> if we're not the observer of our thoughts um, and that the observer of our lives and we don't get out of the content and look at the context is that if we aren't careful, our bodies will go through physical sensations and our pattern to think negative thoughts is actually an addiction. It is an addiction. So here's the thing. It's very loaded, just like proving can be rooted in childhood and patterns. But let's say that you had an older sister. I'm making this up on the fly. But let's say you had an older sister who you always wanted her attention and you would act out to get her to play with you. Whether you were being mean or stole her toy, it didn't matter. But you did, you, you did this thing to get her attention. And in the act of doing that thing that might press her buttons, you felt like anxiety, like, oh, it's not going to go well. But then every time it didn't feel good and then you still got her attention, it was rewarded. So you kept doing it. And even if that meant flirting with her boyfriend later, you were still doing it. And I promise you this isn't a real example because I don't have a sister. <laughs> um, it's getting, it feels really real right now. Um, and so the pattern can exist. So I'll give you um, another one, maybe sim something similar to a client. So let's say that a physical feeling of nervousness in your life of, you know, you name it talking to a class you teach, um, presenting in a boardroom, 
gives you like when you go there, maybe it's not aligned. Maybe it's, uh, is high pressure and you're getting physical feelings. And then your thought is, Oh my God, I'm going to fail. I'm going to suck this. My life is over. I'm going to miss that flight. There's so much pressure on me. And you get those hormones released to affirm that there's a tiger in the room, literally, and your body's fueled on that. The second it decreases, so let's say you don't have to travel anymore because of COVID. Let's say that you don't work in that office anymore and don't have to see those people that give you weird vibes. All of a sudden, you're going to look for another place to put those emotions. So an example is in a friendship. Now you're going to pick up the same pattern with a friendship. Oh, well, she didn't call me back in time. Uh, That physical feeling, thought, it's like this pattern where at some point it becomes, we don't know if it is the chicken or the egg, but there is either a physical sensation because you're out of alignment. And we talked about this in Proving where one day we wake up and we're like living a life that's totally not ours. And we wonder why we have an anxiety, but it's because it's not aligned. You know, we wonder why we're not making money. Oh, it's not aligned. Um... And that's when we get to this level one that I'm going to re we've been here for 10 minutes, but it's being the observer of your thoughts. So to reiterate, when you are the observer of the thoughts, you really have to be outside of it. So think about law and order or some type of, um, murder mystery or crime show where the investigator is not in they're not there at the scene of the crime they weren't there the night it happened they don't know what happened they're looking for clues and evidence to build a story around what the heck is going on here why did this happen what is the motivation behind it they have to be outside of the content to observe the content observe the facts and build the case right So when we are working from that place, whether you want to imagine it like up above the timeline of your life or sort of meditate and picture your life happening in front of you, um, or just sit in quiet and listen to your thoughts, you actually get to say, wait a second, when I got that physical feeling in my stomach, I chose to label it with, I must suck, or he's not going to show up, he's going to ghost me, or she doesn't even care about meeting me for lunch. And then I felt sad. And then I was resentful when I saw her, right? We go through this pattern. You can start to A, notice the thoughts you're choosing. So going back to the wind machine, (laughs) you're choosing these thoughts and you are deciding which ones to hold on to. And you start to learn like, whoa, I can choose my thoughts. So I can decide that this is going to work. And I can decide that this is my passion. And I can decide that my friends love me unconditionally until proven otherwise, right? So you can choose your thoughts. When we choose our thoughts, we're at level two. I don't know why I'm calling them levels. I'm just, it's an outline. (laughs) Honestly, it's an outline. Um, We get to become the architect and we become the architect of our own mental framework, which basically means we can change, shift, and pretty much design or if you're an adult like myself, redesign the way you think about everything. We can create the building scaffolding, as my teacher would say, that's strong in order to hold what it is we want to manifest, which is level three. Now, scaffolding, architecture, what is that? So I'm going to try to think of an example here on the fly. So let's say you want to make half a million dollars a year. And let's pretend for a second that you where you are is point A, 
negative thoughts, um, not in integrity with yourself. So go back and listening to ghosting culture. It's not about getting ghosted on the date. It's about, um, (laughs) it's about not being in integrity with yourself. Um, so being in integrity with yourself, quick uh, reminder is you say you're going to eat healthy, you eat healthy. You say you're going to go for that run. You get up the next morning, you go for the run. Say you're going to save money, you save money. Basically you do things that you say you're going to do. So you trust yourself. Because if you can show up for yourself, you can show up for others. So back to scaffolding. You're at point A. Point A is you're not in integrity. You don't follow through with yourself. AKA, and therefore, you can't really follow through for your friends. You want a half million dollars a year. You've got a business idea, but you're not necessarily taking all the steps you could to do it. But you really, really know that $500,000 is aligned for you. you. It's your birthright. You will work hard to do it at some point. Um, it is, uh, it's your destiny, right? Now, $500,000, half a million bucks is point B. Now, if something happened and we could rub a genie in a bottle and you could get a half a million bucks when you are on your couch in your sweatpants, you wouldn't be able to accept it. You would honestly push it away, whether you realize it or not, or um, sort of keep the manifestation from happening. So if money wants to be flowing and wants to be flowing to you and it feels like it's not, it's probably because you are don't have the scaffolding to hold it. So really quick example, when Jeff and I found out that we were basically in agreement with some sellers on what was our dream house, the next morning I woke up with an allergic reaction in my face. It was like, if you really want to get spiritual, it's like, my eyes didn't believe what they were seeing. My mouth didn't believe what I was speaking. My body was like, no, what? We're not ready for this giant house. We, we, what? We don't know if we can. It's like I hadn't built the scaffolding to let the house land. There has to be scaffolding. So the scaffolding comes from our mindset or we could say our body set being affirmed at each level of our chakra systems. We could go that way, but today I think it's easier to talk about it um, since we're on thought work with mental framework, which again, I'll get there someday, but will come from a chakra alignment is really what it is. Um, But for, call it an easier intro, we're going to go with mental framework today. So the mental framework is starting to understand um, why do I, well, let's actually do the chakras on some level, like root, like what is my desire for $500,000 rooted in? It's a question not everyone asks, right? Why is, why is that a desire for me? Where is that rooted? Was that a seed planted? Um, is that rooted in my parents will love me when I have $500,000 a year for my job? Um, was that rooted in you know that the world needs what you are going to deliver and it's rooted in really higher purposes, right? Um, The sacral center is like the creative center. Like what are you going to do with this money? How is it going to benefit you and your family and your purpose as an individual? And and, um, a lot of like creativity, how are you going to create it? Like as we know in manifestation, we don't, we never really get to know the how. We can think about it, but it always comes out of the blue. Um, but we do have to be showing the universe that um, we care. And so 
really getting clear as far as scaffolding goes on like, what are some creative ways I can work my way up? What are some creative, um, you know, positive affirmations I can use to remind myself that I'm worthy of this, right? And then like solar plexus, like what emotional impact does my current attitude and state of mind have on me being able to accept this? And how am I assuming that my emotional state of mind, um, my attitude um, will be changed by $500,000, right? Then we've got your heart center, which a lot of us, especially if you're an enthusiast like me, we like to skip our heart center. (laughs) Um, I'm a bit unique because in human design, I'm a projector um, and I have a defined heart center. I actually make a lot of decisions from my heart. So I have a little bit going for me there, but for the most part, enthusiasts um, avoid their heart. (laughs) But your heart center is love. And why do you, what do you love? Why is this going to bring more love into your life? And I'm giving you like cliff notes versions here. Throat center, how are you going to manifest it? What are you talking about? Are you sitting on the couch talking about that you're lazy or are you talking about the impact that $500,000 is going to have on your life, right? So now we're thinking about, well, man, like just talking about money here. Let's talk about something a little more meaningful, right? And then we go into our mind, our anja, our crown. There's so, so the scaffolding now I've, I've kind of equated it to chakra systems because that is alignment. Every kind of system is in a straight line. They're all in agreement. They're all fulfilled. Um, but from a mental framework standpoint, we have to build the awareness around all of those things I just brought up from emotional to creativity to what it is rooted and grounded in to how it brings love and joy and how are we talking about it because if you're talking let's say that your goal was to manifest a male partner and you're talking shit about men with your throat chakra you don't have the scaffolding to um bring in a beautiful loving partner if uh you aren't (laughs) in alignment with the belief that um, men are understanding, loving, supportive creatures if you think that they're all awful, right? So um, by be- this is how we become the architect. We are using our thoughts and the way we're choosing to think about the situation. And I'm using manifestation because manifestation and something we want is usually motivating, right? A lot of us are money motivated. A lot of us are motivated by things we perceive as voids. So if you feel a void of fitness in your life, you're going to be motivated to find the right trainer and get on the right program. If you find feel a void of love and partnership, you're going to be motivated by that thing you want to manifest. So that is why taking time to pause, become the observer of your thoughts, and then become the architect who's going to take the thoughts that you're choosing to build some scaffolding that does support the notion that you are deserving of blank. So not to use the word proving, but you're sort of proving it to yourself. But the word, the way I'd like to frame it better is you're building a house for it to live in, right? So that sort of brings us to the step three or level three, which is Hold and behold. So if you have this architecture built, this scaffolding built that can hold $500,000 or hold a partner, it means that this man, let's say, who walks into your life. So for, I'm going to use, I'm going to pause myself. I'm going to use my fiance as an example. So I went through, um, if you've read my book, I forget the chapter exactly, but there's a chapter called Singledom. 
I don't know what number, but it's all about my dating escapades and the fun. And I, I make it like lighthearted, but there was a long time where I was totally down in the dumps and I was awful. My thoughts on men and how shady they were, how they ghosted me or how inconsiderate they were, players, all this stuff. That, that, was the, that was in the background of my mind. I had built scaffolding to support this notion that all men are awful. They suck. They're going to ghost me, right? We get the idea. Um, and one morning, I think this is in the book, so sorry for the spoiler alert. One morning, um, it was the day after Martin Luther King Day. I had been on a date um, that night. And I went on this date. It was going pretty well. He seemed nice. I had seen him around town. So this wasn't like I, I had seen him in multiple places I hung out. So I was like, oh, well, we must have something in common, right? It's going well. We order a second drink. The second drink comes to the table and he starts putting his coat on. So first I'm like, oh, maybe he's cold. Then he looks at his phone and he like throws down some cash and he's kind of like starts walking out. To, I'm like, so I put on my quote coat like real quick. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going somewhere else. This is getting weird. Maybe he's leaving. I don't know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, so like I like have to go now. And he was leaving and then he couldn't even wait for an Uber. He was like, I'm going to go find a cab. So he like literally ran out of the date. And I was outside in a dress in the snow in Boston on Newberry Street. And I was pretty, pretty pissed off about that. And I was like, you know, because my scaffolding supported that men suck. So the next morning I walk into Barry's boot camp at uh, 5 a.m. And this woman who worked the front desk was like, Garrett, Garrett, like my my roommate's friend saw you on Bumble and he thinks you're hot and he wants to meet you. And I was like, well, tell him to F off because I'm over dating. And I walked away to the bathroom. I got in the bathroom and I literally like, like hit myself in the face. I was like, what am I doing? If I want a partner, I cannot talk like that about others. I cannot talk about myself like this. Like I have got to find some hope because what I think I will create. Like I literally had that, that pep talk with myself and I came out from the restroom. I was like, Hey, look, I had a really bad date last night. I apologize. Bad reaction. Tell him, feel free to, you know, contact me on Instagram, whatever. I got home and I sort of continued on that thought line of like, I've got to believe that this is possible. I said a prayer for um, a man out there who was maybe needing some support, who had long hair and loved the outdoors and had hobbies and loved his job and loved his family and was really present, really good listener. And I just prayed for somebody like that. And I woke up from this nap because, you know, teaching at 5 a.m. I need a nap. And I had an email from someone, hey, I want to introduce you to my co my coworker, Jeff. And lo and behold, Jeff came through. But I built the scaffolding in our first dates. I built the scaffolding of I'm going to believe that he means what he says. I am going to trust in my gut, in my emotional center, that this is aligned, right? So we have to be able to build something that can hold what it is that we actually want to hold and behold in our lives. So level three, what are we holding? Is it money? Is it partnership? Whatever. And what are we beholding? What are we looking at with awe? And like what's kind of like, you know, in the olden days, like the top of the building, and I mean still, like is really a beautiful structure, you know? They used to do really intricate things at the tops of churches with bells and the steeple. And what do we want to behold at the top of the scaffolding? And, you know, you can't put something super heavy um, <laughs> on something really weak, right? So getting in alignment 
is what we're talking about. That's what we are. And it starts with thought work. It starts with observing our thoughts and then we can become the architect of the framework to support the vision. And then we can hold and behold it. And so this is, now that I say it back, I'm like, oh, we're kind of breaking down manifestation, which is true. Um, but I like to think of it more in minier scales, like smaller scales about like, how did I think about that call? How did I choose to approach my thoughts that morning? Like on a much smaller scale, because those little, little steps add up. Now, one thing that I knew would probably come up with this is this idea of architecture versus creativity. Because yeah, this is vision work. When you're thinking about what do you want to manifest and um, vision is uh, when we envision or we dream, a lot of times we hear like get creative, create your life, um, all of that. And I want to teach you something here that I've learned really recently and I'm still in the process of remembering and, and being mindful of. Um, and really it is what is true creativity because I want to draw the distinction between this um, thought work and thought architecture to build scaffolding versus creativity. Now, what is the difference? So we are creating, um, we're building something when we're doing scaffolding, but true creativity is actually, drum roll, drum roll please, um, it's a state of consciousness. Um you're literally in a different level of consciousness, like different brain waves when you are creating. So when you slip into it in the shower, it's when you get that idea that they, that falls into your head. And long ago, they literally would say that the gods were dripping ideas like into your head. And that was creativity because it almost feels like it comes from outside of yourself. And create it. So I'm going to go over the levels of... Um, uh, consciousness, um, as I understand them from one of my teachers, the way it's been, she broke it down for me. I'm sure there's other nuances and, and variations of this. Um, but, and it might've come up in the proving podcast, but here we go. So the first one is fight or flight. That's like, oh my gosh, the tiger is chasing me and I've got to run or, oh my gosh, Boston traffic sucks. I've got to go get a nitro cold brew to deal with this. I got to keep that energy high. Well, really it's like keep those hormones flowing until we crash. Um, the second one is reactivity. So maybe you're not, um, you know, running from the tiger in like a life or death situation, but you are ready to like jump when something kind of comes out of the blue, um, because you're not settled. So the next level up may help understand this. The next level up is the consciousness of restful awareness. That's when maybe if we're going to use like a nature example, if fight or flight is you're fleeing from a tiger or you're fighting a tiger and reactivity is you see a snake and you jump or, you know, your boss says something and you send a fuming email back without thinking about it. Restful awareness is you're walking through the woods, you see a spider or an animal and you pause and you think about your approach and you wonder if it's safe and then you decide that it is and then you think about how to approach it with an energy of love or an energy of curiosity and then you approach. Um, same thing with your boss sends you kind of an angry email, you sit on it, you decide if you're going to write back or if you're going to call him instead or you're going to wait 24 hours and then you move on. You notice the change in my voice. The next level up is intuition, 
when we're restful enough and we're aware and we can feel into the subtle nudges of the universe, we can tap into our intuition of whether that is intuiting somebody else's emotion, intuiting how a project might go or not go, intuiting what feels aligned to us. Like if we get a project opportunity and we're like, ooh, should I take it? Um, it's not just about restful awareness. It's about really tuning in to your intuition of is this right? And, and, and usually an intuition is a quiet voice. It's like you shouldn't do that or like do it anyway if it's scary or whatever. And then the level above that is creativity. And before I explain that, the level above that is higher guidance to people who can channel messages from, you know, extraterrestrials or angels or guides. And then the level of that is sacred. And I think maybe monks understand that, maybe out in the Himalayan mountains. Um, but back to creativity. So understanding that we have to sort of check these other boxes before we can tap into creativity. Now you might think back to, oh, well, when I paint or when I write, I'm in a quiet room and I'm fed and I'm well rested and my kids are not in the house or, you know, there's so many things that have to be at bay for you to slip into that level of creativity. And it is linked to the, the, um, the headspace we've talked about called flow with the prefrontal cortex, um, because you can process information much faster and it's almost like you're downloading information from the universe. So when people tell me I need to carve out time to be creative, it's like, yes, but if you just say, okay, so I'm going to do a work call from eight to nine and then I'm going to sit at my desk from nine to 10 to carve out creativity time and then I'm going to hop on a call. You may not be able to just jump into that level of consciousness because you can't just open your notebook, grab a pen and be like, okay, now I'm going to be creative unless you are in practice of tapping into that consciousness. So for instance, the psychic who can go to the consciousness of higher guidance um, and they do it for a living, they're very, very well able to bump into that and uh, and without a ton of time, maybe, uh, but they are doing a lot of things for their energy to um, protect their energy and be able to access that um, with intention. So for creativity, as you know, I'm a, I'm a writer, I experienced creativity in really cool ways with my book because sometimes I'd be walking down the street and I'd, I'd slip into creative conscious and I'd, I'd, the, I would hear my, you've heard me talk about this probably on other podcasts, um, on Instagram, my writer's voice. My writer's voice comes to me at night when I lay down because I'm going into like theta brainwave states um, and it comes to me when I'm walking like in a walking meditation and I don't even realize it sometimes. Walking is very meditative. And I'm like, oh crap, I got to capture this. Like, let me pull up my phone notes. Let me, you know, figure this out. Let me capture this. Um, but it's not something that you can just do. Um, the doing is more of that thought architecture. You can do that. So that's a really productive use of your time that you can do when you're in restful awareness or intuition versus um, just quote unquote being creative. And I just, I wanted to call that distinction to your attention because um, when I was writing out these levels of be the observer of your thought, choose your thoughts. It made me think of like choosing the 
color you want to paint with and then architecture and building all of that just it is creating but it's not true creative consciousness and so I wanted to draw that distinction um this work this thought work it can also be contemplation we can analyze if we would if we choose our thoughts why do I choose that thought over this one why do I seem more reactive to this person versus another It's all stillness, right? It's all going within, asking ourselves questions, analyzing our thoughts. But today, this episode called Thought Work and Architecture is just focusing on how powerful our thoughts are, but also how powerful our bodies are and that they can sometimes talk to us first through physical sensation. Um, And again, I'm going to just, I want to reiterate this because I am the queen of disconnecting from my body. Um, And so for me, when people would say, or my teacher the most often would say your, um, when she would say like, drop into your body, drop into your body. What do you feel? Where do you feel it? I was like, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't, I I think, I think just stop thinking, stop thinking. It's not in your head. Get in your body, get in your body. And I wanted to share that with you because a lot of you know me from fitness. Dare to Move um, was a mental, physical, and emotional mantra that I came up with when I moved, physically moved from Chicago to Boston. But with that physical move took courage, took a lot of mental grit, (laughs) took a lot of emotional grit. And I was doing the move. And then when I got to Boston, I was just like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to make the blog. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to work at this fitness studio. I'm going to say yes to every lunch date. And it was a lot of doing, 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 doing because I was scared to be quiet and be still. You know why? Because moving to Boston didn't feel aligned at the time. Breaking up with the guy I broke up with didn't feel aligned. And I had made decisions I was running from. And I wanted to just keep doing to run. And when I started this podcast, because I do believe that action kills doubt sometimes, I believe that we can't know a lot until we experience and that there's value in putting ourselves out there and that we can make ourselves proud through achievement. Um, But the part that I missed for so many years was making sure that what we're doing is actually solely aligned because I did mess up a couple times. I did some things that I thought would bring me happiness, but I realized the deeper motivation was attention. It was approval. It was belonging. It was fitting in. And when you realize that you don't, you can't control if other people accept you or not, you can't control all those things we want to control. I was like, wait, why did I make myself miserable bodybuilding? Yes, there were highlights. You guys have heard me talk about them. Yes, there were some really big epiphanies. Yes, there were lots of learnings. Everything happens for a reason. Luckily for me, I've always had, I would say, at least 26% of alignment with what I do just because of my heart-centered like decision-making. However, a lot of it was for attention, validation, belonging, um, and approval. And that's why I made the proving episode last week. And so anyway, I got off topic a little bit, but when we think about physical feelings in our body talking to us, I'm bringing this up because in order to run, which was sort of like my trying to fit in was losing weight. 
and I decided to run to lose weight. That was my gateway sort of thing um, and nutrition, but mainly exercise while doing high school sports. You have to really shut your body off to run through pain, run through the rain, do a second workout when you're sore, you know, um, wake up early to do spin class when you need sleep, do an extra workout instead of taking a rest day. So many of my memories of my life were about being gritty. And I'm not saying that there isn't some value in that because learning to do hard things is powerful. However, what I taught myself to do is to shut off physical feelings and our body knows. And that's why about (laughs) six minutes ago I started with this, but why I want to reiterate the tiger example that our body feels energy from others, other beings and situations. So you're in a dark alley and all of a sudden you get a weird vibe and then you see a guy or a girl and you either feel safe or you don't. That's energy. That is you perceiving energy. And that kind of creepy feeling that goes up your spine, that's your body talking to you, right? And your body can talk to you that way. can talk to you with warm butterflies in your stomach. It can talk to you with like a swelling heart when you're in love. I mean... We have to get better at being in touch with our bodies because we become magnetic that way as well. And so today, if I leave you with anything, I want you to think about two things. One is this idea of the chicken or the egg. Are you choosing your thoughts to experience physical sensations that are going to be fight or flight related and you're addicted to the hormones? Or are you feeling some physical feelings that are showing you you're out of alignment and choosing positive or negative thoughts to grit through it. So that's the example of like you're working a job that you know isn't aligned and on the way to work every day you feel super anxious and stressed out and angry and then you're choosing the thought of it's okay, it'll be fine or you're choosing the thought of I hate my life. Either way, be the observer. Notice your physical feelings. What is your body trying to tell you? What thoughts are you choosing? And then even if this is a good journal prompt, even if you look, like if you can look at your thoughts, um, let's, uh, let me zoom back up into my timeline and go back to like, hmm, freshman year of college. Negative thoughts, right? Uh, I'm going to go through some of the ones on replay. Uh, I'm not thin enough. My hair's not long enough. My hair should be blonder. I wish I had a flatter stomach. My boobs aren't big enough. I shouldn't eat that because she didn't eat that. She's really skinny. That's why she's in a sorority. I need to not eat lunch today. I'm going to do an extra workout tomorrow so that I'm thinner. Like that was literally what was playing in my head. Now, if you can get real quiet and sort of imagine or let's say you're looking in the mirror and you hear some of your shadow voice popping up and you can pin down, wrangle in some of those thoughts, put them down on paper and ask yourself, what type of building are these building? Because the ones I just said would build this idea that like, I'm the worst. I am not good enough. So that's not going to support getting into a sorority. And when you 
have the scaffolding that supports I suck and you get awarded an accolade or you get a really sick job or you do you get yeah you get something great coming to your life that's why people get an imposter syndrome they don't have the scaffolding to accept or receive what is coming through so if you are on your way to manifesting something or unlocking your destiny you gotta get the scaffolding to hold it and I hope this is a topic we can continue on. Um, I will be able to better guide you once I um, get some feedback, get some questions from you. Because the more I know, the better I coach. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. And if you enjoyed it, um, you will also probably love the Proving podcast that was um, on Sunday. Or the episode on um, ghosting culture or the question of who am I or who are you. So I hope you go listen to those. I hope this has been helpful. I really hope you reach out with questions or leave a comment on the Apple Podcast app so that I know that you're listening and you love it. Share it with a friend um, and stay tuned for more like this because I'm in the work and I'm trying to teach as I go. So thank you for being here so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are. And one more time, I just invite you to reach out to me if this resonates. Um, I really hope you will. So thank you for listening. And as always, dare to move.